back from the dead, as Ron just says. Uh, you know, I so appreciate you guys. Last last week when I was at home, I was awake and watching, or you know, just watching the clock because I know what time everything is taking place, and I'm just in tears because I'm not here. I'm just, and then I'm feeling like a little baby, and then I'm feeling like a failure, and then I'm feeling like all these things, and then at the same time, I'm just so excited for like Pastor Gary, who would step up in a heartbeat, man, and just uh, take care of you guys, and so I was just blessed, amen. Just blown away, and uh, so again, I'm just so happy to <laughs> be back up on my feet, man. So turn, if you will, to Matthew chapter 28. This morning, as we get into the last chapter of the Gospel of Matthew, my goodness. For those of you guys who may not know, a lot of changes have gone on the last couple of years, but we've been in the Gospel of Matthew for two years. Now, granted, other things happen, you know, like last week, we were not in it. Other things happen, and so we have other people doing other stuff, and sometimes we change it up here and there. But it's been two years since we've been in the Gospel of Matthew, and I've just totally dug it myself. Uh, we will be finishing this chapter at the end of the year. Uh, now, before we do get into our text and jump into our text, I do want to uh, divert for just a little bit over to 1 Corinthians chapter 15 um, to kind of get a, an understanding of what we're going to be covering this morning uh, so before we actually get into our text, I want to read over in, in 1 Corinthians 15, beginning in verse 12. Um, there's one thing that sets Jesus apart from all others, and that is his resurrection. Because if Jesus has not risen from the dead, then we of all people are the saddest people in that we will... We are believing a fraud, a lie, if you will. And so I want to read this portion to you, and then we'll go back to our text. It says, now if Christ is preached that he has been raised from the dead, how do some say among you uh, that, he, that there is no resurrection from the dead? But if there is no resurrection of the dead, then Christ is not risen. And if Christ is not risen then your, our preaching is empty, and your faith is also empty. Yes, and if we, and we are found false witnesses of God, because we have testified of God that he raised up Christ, whom he did not raise up, if in fact the dead are not raised. And if the dead are not raised, then Christ is not risen. And if Christ is not risen... Your faith is futile. You are still in your sins. Then also those who have fallen asleep in Christ have perished. If in this life only we have hope in Christ, we are of all men the most pitiable. What a sad commentary, right? If Christ isn't risen from the dead then we just try to make each other feel good until this life is over because there's nothing left. There's nothing more. Now, I guess some would say, well, at least we lived a good life in it, and that would be true, you know, that, that at least we lived a decent life and our conscience is clear even as we're dying. 
But what a sad commentary if, in fact, there is no resurrection from the dead. But you see, you cannot have Christianity without the resurrection. The doctrine of the resurrection is paramount to Christianity. There are doctrines throughout the church in general that can differ, that are not like hardcore stamped into the grain doctrine. You know, people, different churches have different little, little, little things, you know, that, that, that differ on doctrine. But there are major doctrines in the Christian church that you cannot leave out. You cannot say, well, I believe that Jesus came and did all that, and I believe that he died for my sins, but I don't think he raised from the dead. You're not a Christian. Simple as that. That is a paramount type of, of, of belief that you should have. And if you battle that, then you have not read the scriptures fully or no one has explained it to you to say you cannot call yourself a Christian without the resurrection. It's one of those paramount type of doctrines that sets us apart from all others and sets Jesus apart from all others. Anybody can say that they can take away your sins and pay the penalty for your sins by dying for you and your sins. But if they never have the proof that they had victory over your sins and death because they stayed dead, then how will you ever know? You see, the resurrection is the proof that Jesus has power over sin and death. Next week, we get to celebrate the birth of our Lord, the birth of Christ, which is exciting, which is amazing. But if Jesus was just born, and if Jesus just died, but never resurrected, what a sad story. <laughs> he lived the perfect life, and he died in the story, adios amigos. Right? No. It's the fact that he, he was born to die, but there was a resurrection that happened, and it sets him apart from everything else, because even though we have... The, the exciting time next year, next week to celebrate the birth of Christ, it is only a reminder that he came to pay the price and the penalty for sin. And after he died, man, three days later, man, he, ro he rose again to prove that. And so now let's go back to our text in Matthew chapter 28, and let's cover the first 15 verses this morning. It says, now after the Sabbath, as the first day of the week began to dawn, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary came to see the tomb. And behold, there was a great earthquake. And an angel of the Lord descended from heaven and came and rolled back the stone from the door and sat on it. His countenance was like lightning and his clothing as white as snow. And the guards shook for fear of him and became like dead men. But the angel answered and said to the woman, the women, do not be afraid, for I know that you seek Jesus who is crucified. He is not here, for he is risen as he said, come, 
see the place where the Lord lay. And go quickly and tell his disciples that he is risen risen from the dead. And indeed, he is going before you into Galilee. There you will see him. Behold, I have told you. So they went out quickly from the tomb with fear and great joy and ran to bring his disciples' word. And as they went to tell his disciples, behold, Jesus met them, saying, Rejoice. So they came and held him by the feet and worshipped him. Then Jesus said to them, Do not be afraid. Go and tell my brethren to go to Galilee, and there they will see me. Now while they were going, behold, some of the guards came into the city and reported to the chief priests all the things that had happened. When they had assembled with the elders and consulted together, they gave a large sum of money to the soldiers, saying, Tell them, his disciples came at night and stole him away while we slept. And if this comes to the governor's governor's ears, he will we will appease him and make you secure. So they took the money and did as they were instructed. And this saying is commonly reported among the Jews until this day. <coughs> so after the Sabbath day, on the first day of the week, most of us understand that the, the Jewish Sabbath falls on a Saturday and that the first day of the week is actually Sunday, not Monday. And so what a great way to start off the week with a day off and going to church as well. That's the mindset we should have, right? <clears throat> so it was early Sunday morning in which Mary Magdalene and the other Mary made their way over to the tomb. They knew exactly where this tomb was because they were the last ones to leave the tomb after Nicodemus and uh, Joseph of Arimathea had put Jesus inside this tomb and they had rolled this big old stone over it. So these ladies were the last ones to leave where Jesus was at. They knew that he was in there. They were coming back because they wanted to give him a proper burial. We understand that. Now, the Gospel of Luke and the Gospel of John starts off this chapter, this portion of their, their uh, Gospel, by telling us that it was the first day of the week. Matthew here mentions it only after saying that it was after the Sabbath. Mark, on the other hand, starts off by just telling us... now when the Sabbath had passed and never even mentions the first day of the week. Now, some would say, why are you making a big deal about this whole first day of the week? Because I like the day off. Well, most of us get the day off. Most of you guys get the day off. Some of us have to work on this this Sunday. But the reason I make a big deal of it is because there's a big difference between the Sabbath and the first day of the week just like there's a big difference between the Jews and the Christians. We're not against them. They're just different. 
The Sabbath is a very special and holy day for the Jews to this day. Sabbath is everything to them in, in a lot of ways. It is a day of rest for them. And those who observe that day of rest, they do nothing. They observe it to the T or try to at least. On that particular Sabbath, it tells us in John 19 that it was a high day in that the Passover had just passed. And so the Passover and then the Sabbath right next to it, it just, it just made for a, a long holiday for them, basically. And so it was an important day for them. And so I'm sure that all the good Jews of the day kept that Sabbath day in particular, especially after this Passover. All the disciples, I could guarantee you, all the disciples, because they were Jewish, and all those who followed after Jesus, they observed that Sabbath day with sadness, of course. Their friend, their teacher has just died. The religious leaders, I'm sure, they are rejoicing in this Sabbath. They are resting. They are well rested, man, now that Jesus is out of their hair. <laughs> Even as their, their hands are still red with the blood of Jesus, I'm sure that these religious leaders, they kept that holy day and did their religious duties. They were so stoked, if anything, because they don't have to worry about Jesus anymore. They know he's dead. They understand that he's dead. They've even gotten a guard to make sure he stays dead. And so they are excited. Now, as I've been studying for the last couple of years, the gospel of Matthew and just kind of seeing everything that's going on here in, in, in the life of these Jews, what's really captured my heart and it grips my heart even as I'm studying this portion, is that this Sabbath would be the last Sabbath of the law. The very last Sabbath of the law. The one that, that, that God would ever recognize because he doesn't recognize any other Sabbath after this one. Even though they still celebrate their Sabbath every Sabbath, every end of the week. God does not recognize it any longer because that Sabbath, was the last Sabbath of the Old Testament. That Sabbath was the last Sabbath of the Old Covenant. All of this would now come to a close. After that is the New Testament. After that last Sabbath is now the New Covenant, and that is what comes into play now, since that last Sabbath right there. Jesus was the last sacrifice, just like he is the last Passover lamb and the last Passover that God ever recognized after that. I don't care what they do after that, God does not recognize it. He came, Jesus came to put an end to the old covenant. He came to fulfill the law. And from here on out, it would not have to be do, 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 do all these things and God will be satisfied with you. After this portion, it was done. Christ has done it all. 
There's nothing you have to do ever again to get on the good graces of God because Christ has been and, and is the final sacrifice. He has fulfilled the law. The law came to a point, and it says, I can't take you any further. From here, it's Jesus. It was our schoolmaster, if you will. And then it turned into the New Testament, and it's all about grace and what he has done. So we don't have to live under the law. The law is good, don't get me wrong. But we live under grace, not the law. That's why the first day of the week is so special to the Christian. Because it is a day of new beginnings. Yes, it is a day of rest. It is to be that. But in reality... (laughs) We as Christians get to, get to rest in the Lord every day. Every day could be a Sabbath for us. It could be a day of rest because we are told that we are to rest in the Lord. We are to bring all our issues. We are to bring everything to him. He's the one that carries them all. And so for us, unlike the Jew, when they have that one day at the end of the week where they can rest, we get to rest each and every day. Not just one day a week. It's no longer a religious issue or thing, nor should we ever treat it that way. Because we're talking about a new relationship. We're talking about a new covenant. The first day of the week actually gives us a new start every week. The first day of the week gives us a fresh start. And that's the way we should walk in it. We are to rejoice in it all the time, guys, week in and week out, that we have this newness. And in verse 2, it says, Behold, there was a great earthquake, and for the angel of the Lord descended from heaven and came and rolled back the stone from the door and sat on it. Now, I don't know when what time that earthquake happened or occurred. Now, did it occur because the angel of the Lord descended from heaven? Or was it in conjunction with the angel of the Lord descending? Whichever the case was. What stood between the women and Jesus and the body of Jesus was now out of the way. They came so that they could take care of Jesus and give him a proper burial. The other Gospels tell us that they were concerned (coughs) as they were going as to who would roll away the stone. And what I love about this is that God had already gone before them. What I love about this is that this is the way it's always going to be now. Whatever concerns they had, God would already go before them. God would already take care of whatever obstruction there is between the people and the resurrected Lord. God would take away, roll away whatever that obstruction was. And so God had already prepared it for them. God had already sent these angels, and and what I love about it is that God will move heaven and earth for anyone who truly desires to see who Jesus is. 
who's looking for Jesus, he will stop at nothing to reveal his resurrection power. And these angels, whatever time it was, however time it happened, whenever these ladies appeared, these guys are just kicking it on the top of the stone right there. They're just going to wait around. They have some amazing news that they need to share with these ladies. And so they're just going to hang out and wait around. It says in verse 3, it says, His countenance, this angel, his countenance was like lightning, and his clothes was white as snow, and the guards shook for fear of him and became as dead men. So in the meantime, <laughs> while these ladies are coming, the earthquake has occurred. However it happened, you have the Roman guards who were there to secure the tomb. Remember, the religious leaders were concerned. All his disciples are scared going, Jesus is dead. He's dead and dead. And these guys have no clue what's going on. But these religious leaders going, hey, man, this deceiver, when he was here, he said he was going to rise again. Can we have some guards to kind of cover this whole thing? So no, no funny business happens. And so these guards who are there to, to secure the tomb are now, have now come upon this rude awakening. <laughs> and fear has come upon them. These Roman soldiers who are fearless. Man, they are killing machines. They don't mind killing. They like killing. They have no fear. They have all the weapons in the world. <laughs> These guys, all of a sudden it says fear came upon them and they became like dead men. Well, they were in the perfect place for dead men. <laughs> They're already at the tomb. <laughs> and as strong, as powerful, and, and powerful and mighty as these guards are, they cannot hold not one candle to this angel who is sitting there, who is in his brightness and his power. These guys are like falling down dead. Just one angel. The power, man, the magnitude of this one angel. And we know that from verses 11 to 15, that these Roman guards who stood guard, <coughs> everything that had happened, they experienced it. They were right there when the earth began to quake. They were there as this light came shining. They were there as this the stone began to get rolled away. And these guys are falling down over themselves, scared to death. And they know exactly what has gone on. I have no doubt that these guys felt, saw, and heard everything that went on at that moment. To concoct a story the way they concoct the story is ridiculous. They know, and everybody knows, that them falling asleep... Was, was certain death for them. But the truth didn't matter to them. <laughs> they were scared to death. I truly believe that they knew at that moment that Jesus was very much alive. I don't know if maybe Jesus just kind of scared the heck out of them too. I don't know. But they're pushing this narrative that he is still dead and that his disciples had come to steal him away. 
<laughs> These guys were so scared, the disciples, they would never come up with a story like that. But we'll get to that in just a bit. It says in verse 5, it says, But the angel answered and said to the, to the woman, Do not be afraid, for I know that you seek Jesus who was crucified. He is not here. He is risen, as he said. Come, see the place where the Lord lay. It's interesting that the, the angel would tell the women, do not be afraid. I don't know why, but I just think that these women weren't afraid of nothing, anything at this point. They just wanted to see their Jesus. They just wanted to take care of their Jesus. I don't think this guy, I, I, I don't think they batted an eye. Do not be afraid. It's like, I'm not afraid of you. We're here to see Jesus. And it's interesting because, again, even in Mark's gospel, it says that they were kind of taken aback. They were somewhat alarmed. It doesn't tell us that they, they were fearful. Now, the angel knew exactly why they were there. The angel knew exactly that they were there to give Jesus this proper burial. They had brought all the spices with them and, and, and all of these things. And so it's almost like he is saying to them, oh, you're here to seek Jesus who was crucified. In other words, you're here to seek the dead. It, it, and I'm trying to wrap my head around this as I'm studying this and going over it again. And I've, I've studied this and gone over it a hundred times in my life. But trying to capture this whole picture right now. Again, the angel knows why the women are there. The angel knows why he is there. He has some amazing news for them. But the fact of the matter is that they all know that Jesus was crucified. Think about that. On earth, only those close to Jesus, friend or foe, knew that Jesus was crucified. Again, there was a, a, a million people there. Not everybody knew who Jesus was. But those who knew about Jesus, friend or foe, they knew that he was crucified. People are just thinking, oh, just three guys crucified. Eh. Even with all the stuff that had gone on. When it came to the heavenly realm, every spiritual being wherever they exist, every last one of them, friend or foe, knew that Jesus was crucified. It's interesting because if, if earth reacted the way it did, and we covered that in our last study, how the, the, the darkness came and, and the, all, all the earthquake, the, the temple ripped, you know, all that stuff. The way that earth reacts was amazing when Jesus was crucified. How must have heaven and the heavens reacted, friend or foe, to the fact that God himself, the one that they all answer to, the one that they all bow down to, has been crucified. That's an amazing picture. When the angel says, hey, you're here to see Jesus who was crucified, everybody in heaven and earth and under the earth knew 
Every spiritual being knew that Jesus had been crucified. It just sounded amazing to me that all the heavens, everything stopped when the Father turns his back on Jesus. Everything stops when Jesus is in the tomb. Again, however it's happening in the spiritual realm, but all of heaven knew about Jesus' crucifixion. Now, I don't know if angels get excited. I don't know if they get giddy. But this angel in particular, he has some amazing news for these guys. Now, I, I don't know if there was an amazingly long pause when he says in verse 6, he is not here, and just kind of lets that linger. I mean, again, it's probably not the right time for joking around or anything because there's some serious business going on. But what comes out of the angel's mouth next is probably the most exciting news in all of history. In the history of mankind, when he says, He is not here, for he is risen. He is risen. He is risen indeed. What an amazing statement that this angel makes. He is not here. Again, understand these women. It's like, whoa, 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 Jack, whatever your name is, angel. I know my Lord was in there. I seen him get buried there. There's been a seal on this rock. I don't know who moved it. I don't know who broke the seal. I don't know anything from anything, but he needs to be inside there. And for the angel to say, hey, he's not here. Pause. To me, man, it would have just been classic. They're going, he's risen. But even that, because again, the believers, they every time Jesus talked about being risen, it just went right over their head. And so again, now the angel is saying, he is risen. And they're probably going, where's Jesus? Tell me where he's at. You see, death, it rules over the mortal body because of sin. The Bible tells us that the wages of sin is death. And, and, and so it is, it is impossible to escape death. Even the one that Jesus raised from the dead, they, they had to die again. And they stayed dead. They were just kind of revived, you know, but they weren't resurrected, not like this, who, because when you're resurrected, you never die again. You see, sin is a factor in every situation when there is death. Sin brought about death. Even the death of Christ, sin was a factor in that. He took our sin upon himself and became sin. Himself never have sinned. So when someone who does not have sin, when there's someone who doesn't have sin, death has no power over him. He can't die. But he can be put to death. 
And so because of sin, he was put to death. So when someone who is sinless is put to death, death cannot keep him. It just can't. It's not possible for sin or for death to keep someone who has no sin because it has no power over him. And so death becomes null and void at that point on that person. Who, and he has to, death has to, it has to, it must give him back up. It can't contain him. The apostle Peter after his newfound boldness, after the resurrection of Jesus Christ, in his first sermon, after the Holy Spirit has come upon him and given him this boldness, he tells the multitude in Acts 2, 23 and 24, he says, him, Jesus, being delivered by the determined purpose and foreknowledge of God, you have taken by lawless hands, have crucified and put to death, whom God raised up, having loosened or loosed, the pains of death because it is not possible that he should be held by death. So when Jesus was put to death, he could not stay dead. There was no way he, his body would be able to see corruption or decay as Psalms tells us because it is not possible that he should be held by death. And that is why when the women come to the tomb seeking Jesus who had been crucified, they didn't find him there because death could not hold him. The tomb could not contain him. The risen or, or, or the king has risen and he has risen indeed. The only thing the angel could show them was the place where he had been laid. In other words, telling them, come. Come and see the power of God on display here. You are seeking Jesus among the dead. It's the wrong place. He's very much alive. On three different occasions when Jesus was talking about his, his impending death, every time he told them, this is what's going to happen, at the end of every one of those occasions, at the end, he always said, and the third day, he will be raised up. In fact, the night before he was crucified, he reiterated that statement to them. After I have been raised from the dead, he says, I will go before you to Galilee. Again, anybody can say that they will die for your sins. But the only proof of that is if they can overcome death. Because the wages of sin is death. And so the statement, come see the place where the Lord lay, is a very powerful statement indeed. The only thing that was there was the grave clothes. Jesus was not there. And nobody had taken his body. Jesus had told them that after three days he would rise again from the dead. And the angel was there to proclaim, he is not here. He is risen, as he said. Jesus not only took our sins upon himself on the cross, but he also became the Passover lamb to pay the price for our sins. And when he died on the cross, our sins were paid in full, guys.
every last one of us. And the fact that he was not in the grave but, but had risen is proof that he actually delivered on that promise. Nobody else can do that. Nobody else has ever done that. Many have claimed that they were here as Messiah, but no one has been able to deliver like Jesus. He is risen. He is risen indeed. In verse eight or 7 and 8, as we get going here, he says, Go quickly. Tell his disciples that he has risen from the dead, and indeed he is going before you into Galilee. There you will see him. Behold, I have told you. And so they ran out quickly from the tomb with fear and great joy and ran to bring the disciples word. This is the type of news that you cannot keep to yourself. And from that day, from that very day when the women left to go and tell the disciples, the news has continued to this very day to this very day because it's not one of those kinds of things that you should just sit on. When you encounter the empty tomb, when you encounter the risen Christ, when you encounter the command to go and tell others about the risen Christ, that's not the type of news that you keep to yourself. That's what you share with other people to give them hope that you've encountered the risen Christ in your own life. And so the news continues to spread today. Jesus is risen from the dead. Guys, that's the hope. That's what sets you apart from anybody else, that you have a living Savior, one who has paid the price for you. He has come back from the dead, and he has victory, and he gives us victory, and he gives us that living hope. So they went out quickly because there was no time to linger at the tomb any longer because he was not there. Why were they seeking the dead or the living among the dead, as it says in the other Gospels? We understand that Jesus was nailed to the cross and that he hung on the cross and that he died on the cross, but Jesus is no longer on the cross, guys. That's why we have empty crosses. (laughs) Just a symbol. He's not there. The king is risen. It says, with fear and great joy, they went out. Now, we know that women are very emotional. But that Easter morning, there's an excuse for this emotional stuff. Because that Easter morning, their emotions were all over the place. From great fear to great joy. Which means that their emotions went from alarm and fright to mega calm delight, as it says in the Greek. It's only reasonable that their emotions are all whacked out like that. A few days earlier, when the disciples were going from life to death, their joy had been turned to fear. And so it only stands to reason that when they're going from death to life, that fear, alarm, fright has been turned into great joy, mega calm. Delight is that word joy in the Greek. 
and they ran to bring the disciples' word. And this is a type of, of news that couldn't be sat on any longer. And they had to go and tell the disciples. And what an amazing opportunity that we, as disciples of Christ, continue to have that great news that we can tell other people that Jesus is risen from the dead. And we can be just like those women that did that long ago. We continue with that same message, guys. So others after us can have that hope that you and I get to have. And so in verse 9, it tells us, And as they went to tell the disciples, Behold, Jesus met them, saying, Rejoice. So they came and held him by the feet and worshipped. And Jesus said to them, Do not be afraid. Go, tell my brethren to go to Galilee, and there they will see me. What an amazing, intimate phrase. Tell my brethren. Go and tell my brethren, my peeps, man. Go and tell them. Can you imagine these ladies? Again, they've already heard from the angel that he's not here. He's risen. And as they're running, they see the risen Christ. They run into him. And there's only one thing you can do when you run into the risen Christ. That is fall down and worship him and grab onto him and not want to let go. And they're rejoicing because their Savior, the one that they had seen dead, is very much alive, and he is now speaking to them. The one who was nailed to the cross, who had died for their sins and buried those sins far away, is now saying, rejoice. Rejoice, because your sins are forgiven you. And you sit and you worship. This is why, as Christians... We remember, we commemorate, and we celebrate the Passion Week of Christ. From Palm Sunday to Monday, Thursday to Good Friday to Easter morning. And I just think it's kind of ironic that we're in this portion of Scripture as we're closing up this, this gospel. And yet next week, we get to go back to the beginning. And we rejoice that baby Jesus is on his way, you know. We get excited for all of those things. All of this was done for God's glory and for our good, guys. So that we could experience the forgiveness of sin and walk in the power of his resurrection. Let me read to you from Ephesians chapter 1, verses 15 to 23. Just an amazing portion of scripture where it says, Therefore, I also, Paul writing, after I heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus and the love of God, for all the saints do not cease to give thanks for you, making mention of you in my prayers, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him, the eyes of your understanding being enlightened, that you may know what is the hope of his calling, what is the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints, and what is the exceeding greatness of his power towards us who believe? According to the working of his mighty power, which he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at the right hand of God in the heavenly places, far above all principality and power and might and dominion and every name that is named, 
not only in this age, but also in that which is to come. And he put all things under his feet and gave him to be the head over all things to the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills all in all. What an amazing thing. And so when Jesus says, do not be afraid, go and tell my brethren that I, uh, to go to Galilee and there they will see me. May we be faithful. May we always be faithful as men and women, just like those women that first day, to go and tell others about the risen Christ. Amen? You can finish off the rest of that story. Again, that they were trying to, to tell a lie. These guys gave them money. As I was thinking of that, it's like, man, these religious leaders, how would you feel if you knew that Pastor Zeke was just taking your money and paying people off to say some crazy stories? I thought, man, that's what these religious leaders have done. With Judas, it's like, yeah, here's some money that people have given, man. You know, you're turning over this guy, and now they're paying some other people off. It's like, that's not, they, they weren't praying for their tithes and offerings, like for wisdom. They were crooked. And they've believed this lie, and those lies have continued on. It's much easier to believe that Jesus just died for somebody's sins. It's a lot harder to believe that he actually resurrected. But that's what we get to believe, guys, because he is risen. He is risen indeed. Amen? Let's pray. Father in heaven, we bless you, and we thank you. God, as, 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 as you have set Jesus apart from everything, everybody, anything that is ever named under this heavens and under the heavens, Lord God. There's a name above all names. And there is a power that he brings with him, Lord, to not just carry the sins of the world and be crucified and carry them all and pay for them. But Lord, you gave him the power to raise himself up from the dead, to prove that there is salvation to those who come to him. And we look to you and we thank you for your faithfulness. Lord God, that we would continue as we've read in the gospel right now, as these ladies went out to tell others about the risen Christ, that we would have the boldness to continue to tell others that Jesus is alive. And Lord, I pray for those who are in this room right now who may not know you, who have heard this story time and time again. But, Father, I pray that this morning, this time, that they would re respond to Jesus, that he has died for their sins because he wants to give them new life. And if there's anyone in this room who needs salvation, please do not leave without receiving Jesus in your life. Is there anyone who would raise their hand and say, Pastor, I need Jesus in my life. I want to pray for you there's anyone in this room. Do not leave here. My heart is to proclaim what those women proclaimed on that first day. Jesus is risen. He has died for your sins, and he has a power over sin and death in your life. Amen? Thank you, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's stand as we sing this last song. God bless you guys. I love you guys. Good seeing all your faces. Bless you.